Amen. It does feel a little bittersweet to be wrapping up what has been, I think, a wonderful time in the Psalms. It is such a challenging book. It's an encouraging book. And one commentator's words, it gives us language for our life and what we go through when we just don't have the words ourselves. And I think, I know I have found that true over the years in the Psalms. And so it's been a blessing to go through this with you. Next week will be the start of our Advent series. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a moment. But I want to turn our attention to Psalm 146 this morning. Psalm 146. Verse 1 begins, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. And on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those who help is God, the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord, their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner, sustains the fatherless and the widow, but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. And as you are seated, we do have Kingdom Kids today. It's our ministry for those kiddos who are four years old through second grade. They can head to the four-year where they'll be met by our Kingdom Kids workers and they're going to have a chance to worship and learn at their level right next door in our education building downstairs where they can be picked up after the service today. I don't know about you, but it's starting to feel a little bit like Christmas. I know. How many of you are playing Christmas music before Thanksgiving? Anybody? A few of you? How many of you think that that is a, a sin to do that? How many of you? A few of you. A few of you are in that camp. Okay. First group, ignore them. Just ignore them. It's okay. It's all right. Okay. Uh, one word that we use to describe the season of Christmas is Advent. And that word literally means to anticipate the arrival of something or someone that's important. And so, of course, in the Christmas season, what we're anticipating and celebrating all along the way is the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ into this world for us. And that's our Advent season. And actually, Advent is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas Day. And so next Sunday, on the 28th of November, is actually the beginning of the season of Advent. And we'll have Advent uh, lighting for our wreath, and we'll have our sanctuary soon after that decorated. And we have some really wonderful things coming up that I wanted to point out to you. One of them is we have a Christmas program happening on the 19th of December. And that's going to start at 11 o'clock during our worship service. And then we have an encore presentation that evening at 6 right here in the sanctuary. And Ms. Shannon Nash has been directing for us. If you want to give a wave, Shannon, everybody. Has been doing a phenomenal job. This is going to include children, youth, and adults in our presentation. It's going to be awesome. And one of the reasons we do this is another way to just share the good news of Jesus in a different kind of uh, medium. And so that's the opportunity we have. And so I want to encourage you folks 
to see that as also an opportunity to invite someone to come with you on that day. Now, you invite them to come every Sunday. That would be wonderful. But if you need something special to invite them to so that they can hear the gospel in a way that may uh, make sense to them, may come at them at a different angle, and you know someone who needs to be here for that Sunday, I encourage you to invite them. And so we have invite cards for you. If you were in small group this morning, uh, you had these passed out to you. If not, we've got lots of extra on the tables as you leave here in the sanctuary, there in the foyer. Go by and pick one of these up and just give one away. That's my challenge to you this week. Just take one and give one away. You want to be ambitious and do more than one? Go for it. That's awesome. But do at least one. Take one and invite someone to come. Not only to that, but also I have on here our Christmas Eve service, which is obviously going to be Christmas Eve. You're following me, I could tell. You're, you're wide awake. You knew where I was going with that. Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock, back here in the sanctuary. And that is a great time to just remember right in the thick of it, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day is the next day and family's getting here and it can be chaotic and busy. And it is a great opportunity right in the middle of it to say, you know what, this is what it's about. It's about the birth of our, sa- of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something that I've learned through the years. Folks are more willing more open to the idea of coming to a worship service at Christmas season than any other time of the year. And so it's a really great opportunity to invite someone to come with you to our Christmas play or to our Christmas Eve service, and these cards are for you. And on the front side, it just has our general information about our weekly ministries and things like that. So take one of these with you, and we would be grateful if you would join us as we try to encourage people to come and hear about the birth of Christ. Uh, One more quick thing. Rosemary mentioned the business meeting tonight. And she uh, and you heard in the in the appreciation from Bobby that uh, w- one of our staff members is was a temp- they're a temporary hire and so they're going off to college in January and so we're thankful that we have someone who's willing to take their place one of our own Miss Taylor uh, and so she is thank you Travis for pointing her out she's going to appreciate you for that so she is uh, we're going to vote on that tonight and make that uh, no longer a temporary pr- position but it's a p- very part time but it's a part time. Uh, permanent position. And that allows us to continue doing the ministry online and putting our sermons up and being able to stream our worship services and get all the stuff ready for Sunday. It gives us a point person who's going to take care of all that for us. As you know, we had a youth and music minister and he took a charge of a lot of that for us. And with his absence, we were kind of put in the position either we continue to do these things or we set them aside and not do those anymore. And both were options. But the personnel committee and the church as a whole felt like, no, we want to keep going in these uh, ways of sharing the gospel. And, and, and so it was a, a great option to have a part-time person. And we want to keep that going with a, another part-time a permanent person in that position. So we're voting on that tonight. I just wanted to make mention of that because we're also going to be voting on uh, Lillian, who is uh, well, for the ministry assistant to the youth ministry. You know, that was to get us through the end of the year as well. And she's done a phenomenal job, done a really great. I mean, we haven't really missed a beat in our youth ministry. We've been able to continue to do the things we were doing previously, and we're seeing a lot of fruit from that. We're having 20-plus students showing up on Wednesday nights. We've got a lot of uh, adult help in there, which has been awesome. A lot of that has to do with that ministry assistant position because there's no way I could have handled all the logistics for that. And so going into the new year, not knowing what's going to take place with those positions... Uh, We wanted to keep that youth ministry assistant there because we're coming into camp and we've got some spring things we want to do and we need somebody to help with that. So until we can figure out a long-term solution to our youth ministry, 
leadership, we're going to keep that position and it's going to remain a part-time position and Lily's willing to remain in that position for us. And if the day comes that we hire a, uh, a part-time youth minister and we can keep an assistant, well, that would be wonderful because then they can focus on ministry and we have an assistant to focus on uh, logistics. Or if we hire a full-time youth minister, then that part-time position would uh, go away at that point. But we're still not sure what God is bringing us to. And so I say all that to inform you leading up to tonight's business meeting, but I also say that because we need your prayers. We have been asking you as a congregation to join us in praying for the leadership over our youth and our music ministries. These are very vital and important ministries. And as you've seen this morning, we've got a lot of really great help. And we've got people that are doing a, a, just a phenomenal job uh, working within, the, w- within our music ministry, which is what you saw this morning. But we just need a point person. Because right now I'm the point person for youth and music. And we're praying that God would bring on a point person to take those on and relieve me of that duty, even though I'm loving it and enjoying it. But that's what we're praying for is point person for our youth and for our music ministries. And so I've got these little magnets that Lily put together for us and got us. And so if you haven't got one of these, it just is an invitation and a reminder to be praying for these important positions. Stick it on your fridge. Every time you see it, pray for them. And it has a scripture on there where Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. That's what we're praying. We're praying for those workers God would have to take on leadership positions in our youth and music ministries. And I hope you'll join me in that prayer. Okay, that felt like a long infomercial. I'm very sorry for that. Very sorry for that. But I do want to transition here, if we could, to get into Psalm 146 with prayer. Would you pray with me? Father God, we approach your word this morning, believing, trusting you are speaking to us through the words on these pages. This is no ordinary book, but it is a holy book because, Father, your word tells us you have inspired it. You have worked behind the scenes to bring together stories, instructions, history, poems, songs, Words of wisdom into the Bible, into the scriptures, that we might know something of you. And we might know who we are, what we're made for. Father, ultimately, that we might know that there is hope for sinners like us, that there is grace found in your Son, Jesus Christ, and that there is glory on the other side of this life. That we could not earn and we cannot lose. The glory of being your child, your son and your your daughter, adopted into your family through the life, death, resurrection, ascension of our brother, your son, Jesus Christ. So as we approach your words to us this morning, I pray that you would soften our hearts to receive them. Clear our minds to understand them and ready our hands to leave from this place and live out what you have taught us today. This what we ask that your Holy Spirit would do is be present with us, working through this message that we might be different than how we came into this place. This is what we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
I picked Psalm 146, and it was a struggle, y'all, because there are so many good psalms right at the end. In fact, this is one of five psalms at the end that bring our attention back around as if we needed it, uh, based on all of the other psalms, but it really focuses and highlights the praise of God. This psalm actually starts with the praise of God, it ends with the praise of God, and that's what happens in these psalms uh, through 146 through 150. The last five psalms are focused on that. You heard that when we read Psalm 150 earlier. What is a psalm? You may be wondering. I've never heard of this before. A psalm is actually a written song. It's a song that God's people would have sung. They would have sung at special occasions. They would have sung on Sabbath. They would have sung on holy days. They would have sung going to Jerusalem. Those are called songs of ascent. They were congregational songs. And they were also used personally. Songs to sing when you feel down. Songs to sing when your heart's broken. Songs to sing when you're just really angry. There's a psalm or a song for virtually every human emotion found in what we call the book of Psalms or the Psalter. And so the way the Psalms ends in the last five Psalms is it puts the attention squarely on the worship of God. But I picked Psalm 146 not just because it talks about the worship of God, but because it talks about challenges in life that we face and that we can all find ourselves in it. And even as we are in these positions of challenge in life, the example of the psalmist is we can still praise God. That the praise of God is not dependent upon our circumstances. It's always available to us. If we will choose it. So towards the middle of the psalm, it kind of, it highlights some of these positions that we may find ourselves in. And I just want to go through them. And I want you to be thinking about your life and just say, okay, where have I been? Where am I now? Can I find myself in this list of these tough spots for which God is present and brings us through and for which we praise God for? See if you can find yourself in them, okay? It starts here in verse 7. It starts with, God upholds the cause of the oppressed. Those who may feel held back, held down, pressed down by others. Maybe you've been there before. It moves on to talk about the hungry. Moments in life, maybe even now, where the essentials of life, even food itself, is hard to come by. Psalmist mentions the prisoner. Maybe those with a checkered legal past, or maybe even those who have been falsely accused in court. Maybe those who were rightly convicted. You fit in that camp. The blind. Physical, physical ailments that leave us disabled in some way. That make the very simple things in life difficult to do. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you're there now. The bowed down, he says. Those kind of just beaten down by life and circumstances and challenges. And, and they're just tired and burdened, weary. The righteous. That one pops up on the screen and we think, well, that's kind of odd in this list. Why the righteous? 
Well, when it talks about the righteous in the Psalms, it's often talking about those who are trying to do right. And yet, it seems things aren't much better for it. Have you ever tried to do the right thing? And it didn't turn out the way you'd hoped. That's who he's talking about. He mentions the foreigner. Literally those who are coming from a different place, a different country, an outsider. Maybe you haven't come from a different country, but maybe you know what it feels like to be the outsider. The outcast. Someone who, because of that position, you feel lonely. Maybe even endangered in some way. Here we have paired the fatherless and the widow. Now why would they pair these together, fatherless and the widow? Because the fatherless and the widow were some of the most vulnerable in society in that time. That can still be the case today. Those without the help of life's most essential relationships, maybe even due to tragedy or heartbreakingly, maybe due to abuse or neglect. I don't know about you, but I don't think it's all that hard to find myself in some of these. Maybe you can find yourself in some of these. And so I think the question that comes to us is when we're in those positions, when we are the one who feels oppressed or hungry, when we are the prisoner or the blind or those beaten down by life or we're trying to do right but things still turn out wrong, when we're the outsider, when we're missing essential relationships in our life and it's damaging in some way to us, what do we do in that moment? One thing the psalmist tells us is that we're going to be tempted to put our hope in people. We will look at our position and feel as if The solution is the right guru. We just need someone really wise, really powerful, really wealthy. We need someone to bail us out of this situation. Believe it or not, that's what a prince would have been seen as. Right? Verse 3, do not put your trust in princes. Well, you know, in American society, what in the world does that mean? The princes were seen as those who are wealthy and wise. And powerful. And we may start looking to those things. Who can bail me out of this situation that I find myself in? Who are the impressive people, the powerful people, the wealthy that can help me out? Now I doubt that he means that we can't be helped by those people. And we can't learn from those people or gain some knowledge from those people. Or that they may not even be able to uh, assist us in some matter. That's not his point. His, his point isn't that, that the wealthy or the wise or, or, or the powerful aren't helpful in some way. If you're in those positions, you should be helpful to other people. That's why God has given you wealth and position and all of that stuff. It's so that you can be helpful to other people. But this isn't a matter of assistance. It's a matter of assurance. That's the warning here for God's people. Is when you're in these kinds of spots, when life is tough... Don't look for other people. Don't make other people your assurance. They may come along and assist. Wonderful. Praise God for that. But they aren't who we are to hope in. They aren't our assurance. 
When life is difficult and we look for other people to bail us out of those difficulties, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment. There's some internal challenges that external circumstances may bring up, but those heart challenges, only God is able to step in. We may want to get out of the storm, but what if God wants to teach us something in the storm? We may want to get out of the crisis, but what if God wants to show us more of himself in the crisis? We put our assurance in other people to get us out of it. When God says, let me lead you through it, that you might come out on the other side better than you were at the start. So I don't think this is a matter of getting assistance from people who can help you. I think it's a matter of having our assurance that other people are the solution to our heart's troubles. We don't put our hope in people. As the psalmist says at the middle of verse 3, we don't put our trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. But in verse 5, blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. So how do we apply that to our everyday lives? I think one of the things we find in this psalm is that when we would turn to other people for the solution to our problems, instead of turning to God, what we miss out on is the worship of God. You notice in this psalm, one of the reasons we worship God is because he's our maker. Verse 6, he is the maker of heaven and earth. The sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. Which means he made you and he's with you. And he's going to stick it out with you from now until forever. His faithfulness you can count on forever. Even the very best human help is temporary. That's what the psalmist points out. At some some point that help's going to go away. If your assurance is in the salvation offered by a person. That person's not going to last. But God who made you and who knows you, he is faithful to you. So I think what we find, the encouragement from this passage is we go to God first and foremost. Books can be helpful. I love reading books. Mentors can be helpful. I've had some incredible mentors in my life that have been super encouraging. Friends can be helpful. There's been times where I would not have made it through some tough spots if I didn't have friends to encourage me and pray with me and hear my heartache. All good stuff. But to turn to God first. To turn to God foremost. To look for assistance from others but have the assurance of hope in God. So if you find yourself in one of those situations we talked about before, the oppressed, the hungry, and so on, if you're in one of those spots... Go to God first. Talk to him about it first. Lean into him first. Ask him for the help that you need. And here's a really cool thing. And this is where I think, this is why I think the psalm begins with praise the Lord. Is because you come out of that hoping in God. Finding him faithful. And so what is the natural response when you have a great need and that need is provided by God? Praise. And if you have ever been 
Through a tough spot, God provided, and you praise Him. There's nothing like that. The depth of that experience with God to worship and to praise Him after He brought you through is itself a gift to us. And we miss all of that. If our assurance is in what other people can do to bail us out of a tough spot. But if we trust God, if we hope in God, and when He brings us through one way or another, may not be the way we wanted, may not be the way we hoped, may not, may not be the way we prayed or the way we planned, but when He brings us through, our hearts will be so full of gratitude that it can't help but to spill over in our life is praise. God is, whether you believe it or not, He is looking out for us, working on our behalf. He is one that we can rely on. That's what it means for Him to be faithful to us. It means we can rely on Him. Praise God, we can lean into Him and find that He is always there for us. And that's good news because I believe, according to Scripture, That there is an enemy that wants to tear all that down. He wants to keep us in those positions of oppression, lack of freedom. All those things that the psalmist talked about. We have an enemy that wants to keep us in those places. Or he wants us to rush through them. He wants us to put our assurance in other people. He wants to see distance between us and God. This is the enemy's number one cause. There is an enemy. His name is Satan. Satan has help on his side. And his number one objective is not to make you miserable, believe it or not. If he can make you happy and distant from God, he'll do that. If he can make you miserable and distant from God, he'll do that. But his number one objective is to put space between us and God. And we can either work with him to allow him to do that. And one of the ways the psalmist is pointing out is that's what you're doing when you're putting your assurance in other people. For your ultimate salvation, for your ultimate hope. That's what you're doing. You're working with him. Because you're looking to other people and not to God. What is that? That's distance between us and God. However, God is watching out for us. Even when we are making foolish decisions, bad choices, and all that, he's still watching out for us. He never gives up. He is faithful to us when we are not faithful to him. When you're a child of God, adopted into the family through Christ, God is going to be faithful to you even when you are not faithful to him. And one of the ways he does that, he says, you know what, the enemy's not going to win here. I am going to frustrate into verse 9, the ways of the wicked. You may be feeling that right now. You may be feeling, you know what? There is something against me. I can feel it. You may be aware enough to know that it's spiritual warfare, or maybe not. You just feel the weight of chaos just falling down around you, and you feel that pressure, and you just start to feel hopeless, and you don't know where to turn, you don't know what to do, and you don't know where your help's going to come from, and you're close to giving in, or, or you're just... Hoping that someone will come to the rescue. You're looking at other people, as the psalmist says. See, that's the work of the enemy in our life. To distance us 
from our real hope, God. But God is working on our behalf to frustrate those plans. What I get, that, what I get from that is that the good news is the enemy will not win. As hard as you may feel the enemy is fighting against you, God is fighting for you. And God will have the ultimate victory in you. So the psalmist is saying, listen, that's our future. God reigns forever. He's the God over all things, all generations, he says in verse 10. He says, praise the Lord. So those of us who are helpless are helpless no more. Not because others have stepped in and saved the day. Not because we've stepped in and saved the day. We're no longer helpless because we have found our great help and our great hope in God himself. And there is no more helpless condition than to find ourselves outside of the family of God. To hear of all these wonderful things about God fighting for us and protecting us and leading us and helping us and saving us and to know, but that's not me. I'm not in that position. I'm not a child of God. That's the most helpless position to be in. Because you don't have God, but you still have you, a sinner, and you have an enemy. That's the most helpless position we can be in. It's when we're stuck in sin. And there is no way out from a human perspective. And this is the good news of God. No matter what category you may place yourself in. God is our rescue plan. God the Father sent Jesus the Son into the world to rescue us from sin. To set us free from our flesh, our own desires, our inclinations to go against the will of God. He has stepped in. God the Father has sent the Son into the world. He steps into human history, puts on human flesh. This is what we're going to celebrate at Christmas. It's the person of Jesus who gives his life away that we may have life. Who dies that we may never taste what the Bible calls the second death, which is condemnation and hell forever departed from God's loving presence. Like, even in the most helpless state, God says, I have a plan. And the plan has a name and his name is Jesus. So you may not feel like I'm in this family of God with God's protection and God's hope, but I want to be. What I know from God's word, what it tells me is that he wants you to be too. God does not wish that anyone would perish and depart from him. That's what the Bible tells us. He wants all people to come to salvation, to know what it means to be in the family of God adopted through Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Some of the beautiful things about scripture, we're even even talking about it this morning in our small group Bible study, was it really is simple. It's not complicated. It's to say, God, I need your help. I'm a broken sinner. God, will you forgive me? I trust that Jesus is enough to make me right with you. That's it. You believe that. You're in the family. All these promises is yours. The praise at the beginning of the psalm and at the end of the psalm is yours. The help of God, the protection of God, it's all yours. Just a confession of sin, a trust in Christ, 
and a willingness to say, this is who I am now. Confession of this is my Lord, my Savior. Not my parents, not my pastors, not my friends. This is my Lord, the one in charge of my life. This is my Savior, the one that can free me from sin and give me hope for an eternity. This is my faith. And the scripture is clear that if you have never done that, but you simply call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Not if you will clean up your life, you know, get a few Sunday mornings under your belt, you'll start reading the Bible, memorize some scriptures, you'll start, start putting some money in the, in the offering boxes, Start serving, start helping people. Then, that's not the message of the gospel. In fact, that's the message of every other religion in the world, but that is not the message of the gospel. The gospel says you're in. Therefore, all of these things are an expression of what God has done already. All those things do not come first so that we might earn the favor of God. The favor of God is given as a grace to us that we might say whatever my position God is working in me he's protecting me I don't have to trust in myself and other people I am not the solution to my darkest and deepest problems in life it is God and he is working on your behalf and mine and when we see that when we trust him to do it and we see that we can't help but praise him Let's pray together. Father God, you are so good to us. I know I don't deserve a God like you. A God who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. And yet you are faithful to me. When so often I can see in my own life, I have lacked faith in you. God, I I don't deserve you, a God who helps me if I'm oppressed and gives me food if I'm hungry and sets me free and gives me sight and lifts me up and loves me, watches over me, sustains me. A God who has my back no matter what, I I don't deserve that. But that is who you are to me. That is who you are to all those who would come to you, that you may be their God and that they may be your people. What can we say but to thank you that it's in Jesus we can have that position as a son and daughter of yours. God, we thank you and we praise you and we worship you because you are worthy of that worship. That that God is our just natural response to your supernatural work in us. God, thank you for giving us the book of Psalms. Thank you for speaking to us over these weeks. God, I pray that you continue this work in our lives, drawing us nearer and nearer to you as you frustrate the plans of the wicked to put distance between us and you, that by your Holy Spirit's work in us, we would draw nearer and nearer to you. And joy and praise will be on our lips continually, all of our life, no matter the circumstance. This is what we ask in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Just for a moment, I want you, as we have done many times here, at the end of service is to talk to God about what he has put on your heart.
He has spoken to you, I hope. And if he's spoken to you, it's his way of saying, I want to talk. And that conversation's a two-way street. And that conversation is what we mean when we say prayer. It's talking to God about the things he's talking to you about. So I hope God has talked to you this morning. Some sense, some impression, some movement in your soul. And my invitation to you is just spend a moment, even now, close your eyes, you bow your head, you can keep your eyes open, you can look up, you can kneel, you can stand, whatever the Lord would lead you to do, but just that you would talk to him about what he has spoken to you. And in that way, I trust and believe that the Holy Spirit is at work, changing us, making us a little bit more like Christ, drawing us a little bit nearer to himself. Even if it's just one half step in the right direction, it's a step in the right direction. That's what God is working in us and through us even now. And we praise God for that. And one of the ways that we praise God is we sing to him.